0: Hey everybody! Welcome into week three of Eminem and M across the board. Ashley Miller, Sean Martin, Eric McDowell, with you. And again, we're back, guys. Not doing so. Oh, look at Mr. Bruin over there making. You got a price tag on the bottom of that, I think. Do I? Got it off. Yeah.
1: 2011 <laughs> Stanley Cup champions. Do not remove.
0: Oh, oh, do not remove. All right, my bad. Don't remove it. Uh, in case you're with us for the first time, I'll give us quick introductions. Eric McDowell's worked in collegiate and professional athletics communications, including NCAA schools, divisions, all three levels, and uh, in the NBA. Sean Martin is a freelance sports writer for the Times Union in Albany, New York. He's also the author of Dear Liam and Noah, Letters from Daddy, which can be found on Amazon. I'm Ashley Miller, uh, News Channel 13, WNYT, the NBC affiliate, sports anchor, reporter, producer, videographer, uh, whatever you want to call it. We have to do it all these days, right, guys?
2: Absolutely. You know how that works. You're a versatile utility infielder, outfielder, pitcher, catcher.
0: Perfect. I like versatile. Versatile is a good word. Uh, If you're joining us for the first time, or if you want to find us later on, we are on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter. M M M A T B, one. Guys, this week we're going to talk. We're going to go. We're going to go across the board. NFL rookie QBs, busts, booms. Are they going to make it? Who will be the best? Who will be the worst? We'll get into that. Diana Taurasi and Sue Bird, their legacies will go in a bunch of different directions there. And then NBA free agency, which is of course still going, but who's made the best moves, who hasn't made any moves and uh, kind of who's been the best so far and where we think other teams might go. So we'll start NFL. Let's do it, Sean.
1: All righty. So I'm looking at the internet the other day, I go to ESPN.com, the mothership, and I see a headline, Wilson flops in Jets debut. <laughs> okay. So, well, I'm no Jet fan, right? J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets stands for just end the season most of the time. Um, <laughs> however, you gotta, you got to give this kid some slack. He just got to camp. He just signed his contract. He throws two interceptions in a scrimmage, and at least the ESPN's freaking out okay the expectation on these young quarterbacks is just not right you get a few and I'll have a list I'll get into in a little bit you get a few that yes they can come in and play the plug and play that's the draft uh, thing they like to say on draft night and it, it works I think Trevor Lawrence is one of those guys Zach Wilson we'll see because the Jets yeah they drafted a new quarterback uh, but they didn't really do a whole lot on the offensive line and uh, young quarterbacks flat on their back with 320 pound linemen on them usually don't do too well um trey lance in san francisco i think they have a good plan for him with with jimmy g there uh i think they took lance way too early justin fields i think is in a great spot for the bears because they've had such trauma with mitch trubisky anything he does is good i actually think he'll be their opening day starter and mac jones in new england We'll see. It's it's hard to look bad at Alabama when you're the quarterback with all that elite talent around you. Uh, so we'll see. But uh, just curious on on what what you two think, and you know, with training caps open, usually the number one storyline for most teams is quarterback battles.
2: Well, I, I think it's very important to groom them, and let's be honest. Let's go back to Peyton and let's uh, Troy Aikman, the people that come in these high. Uh, big star quarterbacks are not walking into chicken salad, okay? Well, they wouldn't have been picked so high. They got picked high because it was a lousy team to pick them. So I'm the type of guy, I'm not saying you sit five, six years like an Aaron Rodgers, but the guys have got to be groomed, number one. Number two is you don't want to be Alex Smith, and this isn't against him, but I think his first seven years, he had seven different offensive coordinators. So be like Ashley having seven different news directors, to have to report to. It's always a new boss in any profession. So and then when you throw New Yorker into it, it'll be very interesting to see how Darnold does now that he's out of there. But I'm the type, Sean, that I believe that when you bring a QB in, we know it's the most important position. You've got to get, get as Parcel sells, all the groceries there around the quarterback and keep him safe and healthy. I think you've got to have a vet, an Olafsky or guys that can be ahead of him that he can groom. Take the notes in the clipboard, you're a freshman, sophomore, junior, and then all of a sudden you're ready for a debut when there is more talent around you. Ash, what do you think? Yeah, and I,
0: I think you're right, Eric, but I think in this situation, at least three of the four are gonna be your opening day starter. There will right. be no grooming. If we're talking, well, let's say we're talking four guys, one through three, so we're going Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, and then you add in Justin Fields because he was the other big name. Trevor Lawrence, duh, he's going to be your opening day starter. Zach Wilson has to be your opening day starter because you don't have another quarterback who can play for the New York Jets. And I think Justin Fields is your opening day starter. I think the only one who might not start opening day is Trey Lance, and that's going to benefit him even if he only gets inserted in week six because Jimmy G just doesn't have it or Jimmy G gets hurt like Jimmy G does. He has those six weeks And they'll play a little bit of preseason, but nobody wants to get their up-and-coming star in the future of their franchise hurt in the preseason games either. But really, Trey Lance is the only guy, I think, who will not start on opening day. And yet, I think he is in the best situation of all four quarterbacks. He has one of the best defenses in the NFL, if they're healthy. The only reason they picked where they picked this year in the NFL draft was because they were so hurt. That team would have been one of the better teams if they weren't so hurt. One of the best defenses he has a ton of weapons so if trey gets in i think they've set him up to be successful as long as they give him a little bit of time to get used to things
1: i think my concern with trey lance is he played one game last year uh and he played at one double a and no disrespect to one double a but that's not one a you can have your fbs fcs all that stuff. i call him one a so i worry about the caliber of competition he played against and yeah he's a great physical um athlete. That's fine. I think that's going to be a very hard transition for him, and which is why it's better that he's in the spot he's in because you talk about especially with young quarterbacks the game moves really fast when you move up. So for Lance it might be even quicker because he didn't even see that on the collegiate level. We'll see how he does, but he's going to have the most time for sure. The Niners get it. John Lynch just got in the Hall of Fame. They understand. They don't expect him to come in and fix this in a year. And again, this is a team just a year removed from the Super Bowl too. So uh he's in the best spot I think Mac Jones I think Belichick will end up with Cam Newton as a starter take a little pressure off the rookie if it goes sideways on you a little bit the first we said six weeks and that sounds about right maybe you see a move there but I, the other three I think are the opening day starters for sure
2: Mac Jones has the same uh coach basically as he had in college those yeah, two are exactly the same and I was thrilled as a Pats fan that they took him because those two are both legendary, possibly the best, I don't bear Bryant, but possibly the best college coach ever, and possibly in and, and the best in Belichick. So he goes into a system in a high pressured market with still only a year away from TB and TB wins again. But I don't f- think he feels the pressure because he's got the same exact system and McDaniel's the same type of offensive coordinator. And Ashley, to your point, Trevor Lawrence. From everything I've seen, he has a very special makeup, and that's very important. It's not just a talent, and he is stepping in as the guy, as you've said. This is somebody that it's your job, and we expect you to do some things. I don't think those fans expect the title. They just like to see eight, nine, ten wins just get there, but um, it will be fun to watch uh, him and just the talent and how well he did in college and how he, he will adjust not only him, but how defenses will adjust to him. It's always about the QB making an adjustment. Well, there's an adjustment on the other side. Can't wait to see him at this level.
0: Yeah, and like we said, there's too much pressure on rookie quarterbacks. There are going to be growing pains, and he's not in a good situation in Jacksonville. He got picked number one because they were bad, and they've made – they drafted okay. They've made some additions, but it's not a good team, and yet Urban Meyer is there saying – this is not a rebuild. I don't want three or four years. I want to win now. Well, if you're gonna win now, then Trevor Lawrence pre- better be pretty darn good in his first year. Cause you're not gonna win with Gardner Minshew and you're not gonna win with a uh, bumbling rookie year. Trevor, like if Trevor Lawrence has the rookie year that Peyton Manning had, that team's not gonna win. And look what we're talking about. Peyton Manning just went into the hall of fame and yet he had a terrible rookie year. It happens. These guys, it's not just a thing that happens overnight. The thing I found interesting, Trevor Lawrence, of course, and this is the taste for all quarterbacks. I don't know why they like, use this stat. He's great when the pocket is clean. No pressure. Well, l- listen, I-, I think we all think like, well, duh, I could do that. <clears throat> 68 touchdowns to 13 interceptions, which still isn't great when you're clean since 2018. When he's under pressure, the thing they did so well at Clemson was like dink and dunk, screen passes. Because you have a guy like Travis Etienne. Well, guess what? They drafted Travis Etienne, 25th overall in the first round. So I think that is a huge factor in how well he'll just kind of acclimate. Not only is he comfortable with Etienne, but it's going to allow the short game to develop. And if they can run the ball, which they should be able to do that as well, maybe he's a little more comfortable and doesn't get put under duress quite as much. That could lead to his success early on.
2: And, Sean, do you think maybe the league now, Sean, will allow Jacksonville to have eight home games in Jacksonville and not one in London one year and Acapulco the next? I mean, come on.
1: No, I think, I think Mr. Khan wants to play in London. Um, mm-hmm. they, they jacked around the Raider franchise for years, London, Mexico, all that stuff. Yeah, that's a whole other topic. Um, yeah, I was never a fan of it, having my team always over there and you lose a game. Um, I took a look the last seven years before this draft class, Took a look the last seven years, 2014 through 2020, 22 first round quarterbacks. Here's a here's a quick read. You're talking about these quarterbacks and a lot of the hype, but they don't they don't all pan out. When Jamarcus Russell got picked over Calvin Johnson, oh. all I heard that day was what upside Jamarcus Russell had, and this is going to change the rate. Yeah, it changed it. It was hell. Yeah. And the big thing on him was well, he could throw a he could throw a football 75 yards while while standing on one knee. Okay. Will show me any moment in the NFL college you know, that a quarterback dropped to a knee and threw a ball, needed to throw a ball 75 yards. That's insane. hey anyway, the last seven years, here's the quarterbacks that I would say were hits. Justin Herbert last year for, for the Chargers, their seven-season ticket holder fans would probably be ecstatic over him. <laughs> uh, Kyler Murray, uh, Baker Mayfield with Cleveland last year was great. Josh Allen's a stud. Lamar Jackson's been great for Baltimore. Pat Mahomes, eh, Chiefs, man. Eh.
0: And Sean Watson,
1: you know, he's got some personal things going on there, but he can play. And the jury's still out on this group. Seven of them. Joe burrows got injured last year. You can't really tell. Tua Tago Vailoa. Yeah, struggled early pains. We'll see how he does. Jordan Love. I personally think if Jordan Love was really the deal Green Bay thought he was, Aaron Rodgers would be playing in Denver right now. Uh, daniel-
0: I mean, listen he was the mvp i don't care how good jordan love is You're, you can't get better than the mvp
1: maybe that just highlights what a horrific pick that was uh daniel <laughs> jones for the giants again not sure sam darnold we'll find out okay i like i thought sam Darnold was the best quarterback coming out of the year he came out uh but new york after what he went through not sure jared goff took his team to the super bowl the defense got him there but Goff is the qb we'll see how he does in detroit carson wentz has been banged up and injured Again, we don't know. But here's the bust. Dwayne Haskins. That was a horrific pick when it happened. Mitch Trubisky got picked over Pat Mahomes. Okay, That's
2: enough said. <laughs> and in uh, Chicago. What a great combo that is. Huh?
1: Yeah, right. Paxton Lynch. Another error by John Elway, who's not very good at his craft. Jameis Winston. Um, bust. Marcus Mariota b- back up in Vegas. Didn't make it with Tennessee. Blake Bortles. Ugh. Johnny Manziel, and and last to make it eight would be Teddy Bridgewater. He, I don't, doesn't really belong in the not sure. Yeah, no, I wouldn't call him a bust. Yeah, but he's no, been in the league. No. He was picked late in the he, first round, but he's yeah. been in the league for a but long his, time.
2: His, his yeah, co- I mean, he it. was on a he was on a Tarkenton like path. I really believe that in Minnesota. And then he had gruesome injury. Yeah. And then after that, by the time he came back, he was Wally Pip. His job was gone. I, I've always been a fan of him. And if he,
0: well, he was, me, I mean he good. He was still okay with the Saints.
1: Uh, my list. He's on the bus list. Sorry. Okay.
0: <laughs> oh, no, I know I I like this. I like this list. And I even think like so Bridgewater for me, I would elevate and even Marcus Mariota, I, and I understand, like, it, we're coming from where expectations are to what they did. Like, he's been an okay quarterback, and I think, listen, he's a career backup, but I will take that guy as one of the better backups in the league. You know what I mean? You have to have a good backup. Yeah. And I, was back the I
2: think have a backup. And, and for the QB, well. Sean, you mentioned, uh, how I keep saying, Tagali, you know who I'm talking about. Tua. Tua, 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 Tua. In Miami. You gotta have patience. Miami yeah. just yeah. never seems to have patience. Stop chasing New England and build it for you. They had that one year where they got in. But if you don't have patience with the kid, like a Ryan Tannehill, look what he'll do elsewhere. Yeah. I think Tannehill should have stayed in Miami and they should have been more patient. So they got to be patient with that kid. And they've got to quote a coach that Horace, who is, I think, a great coach for Miami, to, to stop looking at the apple, stop looking at the history and just focus like most football coaches do when they wake up in the morning that day
0: yeah and i'm still not sold even on a guy like when you tell say to me ryan Tannehill. i'm not going to say he's a top 10 quarterback in the league but, but he's effective. the titans have done what they needed to do and they built their, their team around him and and played to his strengths like when you have the best running back in the league for however long in Derrick Henry, of course that team is going to win. And then your quarterback doesn't have to do that much. You take the pressure off of him and you allow them to succeed, that that person to succeed. Not enough teams do that. You don't need Peyton Manning as your quarterback to win a Super Bowl if you can give that person, that quarterback, parts that work well together.
1: Yeah, you're right. It goes back to the original argument. You talk about expectations. Mariota, I like Mariota as the Raider backup but he was the number two that year and i think that's what mistakes nfl owners make is just because the guy might be the second best or the third best quarterback in a class doesn't mean you should pick him into the third pick you trade down i mean that's again you you talk about some of these picks are way too high look yeah. at this year the the run on quarterbacks trade down that's what the jets should yeah. trade it down today but again it just because zach wilson might become a great quarterback And everybody got wowed by his pro day workout well he's not wearing a helmet no pads yeah he's going to look good he's on his own field throwing his own people no one's chasing after him so i think that's why i think some of these guys they miss on this stuff and but again the expectations are too high you got to give these guys a chance to grow and if they can great and if
2: they can't oh well you got to look again in three or four years it takes one bad hit see drew bledsoe see joe Heisman. And you can't have a guy just throw down the clipboard that hasn't thrown an NFL pass in five years. I think that's ridiculous. You don't have a a backup catcher, for example, or you don't have a goalie in hockey that hasn't uh, made 10 saves in three months. You've got to have a veteran quarterback who is a team player, who helps the young person. He mentors him, who is on the same page and not playing any clubhouse or any of that issue, that politics. And there are guys that make careers of that that's just signed a guy. It's like with 14 NFL teams, but he's making money for a reason because he is valuable. And if something does happen to a Theismann or the starting QB's right knee winds up in section eight, you need a guy to be able to come in and get it done.
0: Yeah. I think what Sean said is like overreach people. It's a classic move by organizations, always overreaching for that quarterback position because it's listen it's the most important position in sports. And it's not even close. Like what it takes to be an NFL quarterback. And I always think like athletically is one thing, but when you look at an NFL playbook, I think people would just be floored by what it takes to mentally be an NFL quarterback. The San Francisco 49ers overreached and they didn't have to. I mean, I guess if you really like Trey Lance, fine. The guy had, you said it, one college start last year, 17 college starts total, which means I guess he's lightly worn. So physically you hope that's a good thing. But they traded two first-round picks to go up and get him at number three. That's crazy. And I know they have picks, but that's crazy.
1: Quarterbacks need reps. NFL quarterbacks need to have reps in them. To There's no substitute for experience. Okay, I'll say that a million times for the rest of my life. It's a tagline for my business yeah I was gonna the, say
2: you copyrighted that
1: yeah, I think I did you have to have reps you look at the history of quarter I think it's changing now because more quarterbacks are coming out early but the history of quarterbacks coming out early and not playing four years you don't see a lot of success there again the game's changing you see a lot of offense philosophies in the NFL picking up NCAA. Features and looks, and that's kind of helping the transition, but you need reps, and um, and Lance doesn't have it. So, again, hopefully they give him some time and you can find out what you have there.
2: And you need protection, and I remember uh, working out yeah. at Cal Poly in St. Louis Obispo, a beautiful place. We played football with a little small D2 school up north, and the coach said, watch Larry Allen. Okay, Watch this kid. I don't want to watch. I'm doing some reading. I'm going to watch a lineman. He said, watch him. And then the next day, we're going to go over the film. And he said, this guy could be a pro. And now he's in the hall. And when I saw him do what Dallas, uh, what he did with the Cowboys, Larry Allen is one of the best ever. And to see him at that level, I realized, as the Coach said, that there's more than about the QB, that everybody has an important role. But that guy made such an impact, and he kept a lot of quarterbacks healthy, and they probably bought him a lot of cars and rings as well.
0: Yeah, he was an okay. Cool, uh, he was an okay lineman, right? I mean, yes. geez, that's that's a great story. That's amazing. Guys, talk about pressure, though. I looked this up. So Zach Wilson opens against Zach Wilson and the Jets open against the Carolina Panthers and Sam Darnold. Like, hmm. I I understand it's not necessarily pressure on him per se. He's gonna feel it, but can you imagine Jets management? They are gonna pee themselves. If Sam Darnold comes out there and throws all over that team, and it's just it'll be the biggest story of the first week. If Sam Darnold just takes it to his old team, like you traded me, well now I'm going to give it to you. Good luck to Zach Wilson, man. Again, you put him in a. It's a terrible spot to be in. You cannot be in a worse spot. Forget it.
1: Uh, that's a complete rebuild. And I got a, a real good friend of mine years ago when during the Rich Kotite years in New York, we went to a Jet game, and he wore a bag over his head yeah. the entire game. And he took a lot of heat from some people, and he just basically said, hey, you know, if anything on my bag is is wrong, you tell me. So I hope he still has it because he might need it with that offensive line in New York. So.
0: So that's yeah, why I just
2: put a bag over my head when you were doing that. Rich Carton. <laughs> okay. I, I love when you say, through. you know,
0: the jury's still out. And listen, yeah. you listed seven quarterbacks that the jury's still out on for, whether it's injury reasons or they've only had a year. Um, or it's a rebuild, whatever, I can't wait until a year from now when we're talking about these three guys and what they did. It's always like the anticipation of, well, we talk about what might happen, and then we get to see what happens, and that's what's so great about sports. We now get to see it all play out, and then we'll be back talking about this in a couple of weeks when the season starts.
1: Absolutely, and now our viewers have a, uh, an alert of something to look forward to next August of twenty twenty. On that note, we are MMM across the board. You can find us on Twitter at MMMATB1, and our little podcast can be found on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. Let's move along. Who who wants to throw the ball in the air? Mr. McDowell.
2: A few decades ago on a basketball court far, far away, there was a bird, and he joined another young college star to help glorify the sport of men's basketball, through the NCAAs, the Olympics, and the NBA. But this discussion is about another bird. Bird, Sue Bird. And she is not shaken and always stirs. And I can't talk about it without talking about Diana Taurasi. Try, but you can't. They're recently in the sports news again. Here's another plug for Space Jam 2, which we just saw. And they're on the bad people team, okay? And it's probably the first time they've ever lost as teammates. So it took Foghorn, Leghorn, and Roadrunner to make them lose on a scoreboard. Think about that. Now, maybe I should touch on the Olympics, five gold medals together. Bird is (coughs) soft-spoken in his that chirps all the time, like our window in the morning. But they define teammates. Their college coach, Gino Ariema, who we've all seen, as you know, in this area, he says they're the greatest teammates in sports Ever! Ever! Ever. Any sport. UConn, Olympics, WNBA, professional in Europe. And it. you know what? He's not out of his mind. He never was. It's hard to argue. They've combined for 19 medals, including World Cup Olympics. Bird has four WNBA titles, and Diana just has three. What she been doing? <coughs> has there ever been a pair of teammates to transform a sport, not just a league? And, yeah, it takes a fictional fun movie to make them lose. I guess that's the only way. Are they the best teammates ever?
0: Listen, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like, when you first hear it, you're like, shut up. Shut Shut up. That's ridiculous. And the more you think about it, the more you're like, I can come up with some really good ones, but I don't know if I can come up, like, if we're going to break down the accolades and, like, you're talking about the medals and the trophies, I don't know that you're going to get many that are better than Diana Taurasi and Sue Bird. Like, if you're going to throw – and you guys can go back a little further. But if I'm going to throw out Michael That's Jordan true. and Scottie Pippen, well, you know what? Scottie Pippen is automatically – no. Like, the Michael Jordan part, yes. But the Scottie Pippen part, to me, no. Diana Taurasi and Sue Bird. Like, and it's hard for me to to branch out beyond basketball, I think, because you're just so focused at comparing players in the same sport. But, man, I, I'd put them at – the top
1: or tied for the top teammates of all time yeah I don't know I it's it's hard to quantify because you don't yeah you know pre dream team there were no Olympics for for the pros okay yeah. um yeah going back years uh, Bill Russell have West uh, I don't know I mean Manchester, Russell coosey. Russell and yeah. again, it's, Ashley, we can go back further because we are, yeah. we are old.
0: Yeah. Yep. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thanks for uh, arguing with us. Um, yeah, you know, maybe so given their names, given their stature, it's, it is hard to find to, especially with their longevity, uh, which speaks to their ability to be, to be not just successful, but to be healthy and to be there. Um, and you, know, you go back, you mentioned Gino or Emma, I kind of, gave myself a re-crash course on the Yukon names. And it was like a blast from a past. So I thought my head was gonna explode with those two. And you know, Brianna Stewart's the current one, but Maya Moore and Rebecca Lobo who kind of got it started there at Yukon, you know, way back in the day and Swin Cash and Jennifer Rosati and Carol Walters and Nakisha Hales, Tina Charles, and go on and on and on. Um, and, and a credit to them for that program because until that uh, Rebecca Lobo team, you know, I don't really recall them being on the NCAA map. And he's, and he, and also, give him credit for staying there too you know he's I'm sure he's had plenty of overtures to move on and everything and he's built a pretty nice little thing there in the stores
2: you know what's funny is that uh, when the uh, New England Whalers moved to Hartford and this is how old I am I was in college the big deal in in Connecticut was an NHL team in Hartford which still boggles my mind to some extent but the Hartford Whalers were it and then all of a sudden this guy, Calhoun, comes in from Northeastern and turns around the men's program. And then Gina was under the radar. And they didn't have the best, you know, relationship because they were both so successful. But if Gina Wariyama says to me, the sky is pink, I will wear pink. Because, uh, as you said, Sean, it's amazing that he did not look at pro opportunities. He's like Krzyzewski. He's got a good thing. And, and why leave it? Similar to Tara Vanderveer at Stanford, as Ashley is aware.
0: Yeah. And Sean, I think you said the word that best describes why maybe they would be at the top of the mountain is longevity and, and just success through all levels. Like we talk about Olympic success, but then we talk about professional success at the WNBA. Then we talk about college success. And these are two of the best high school basketball players on the planet. So, I mean, the success has run long, but Subert is 40, 40 years old. Diane Taurasi is 39. Like, those two are not young, and yet they're playing, I think Taurasi averaged 30-plus minutes a game in the Olympics, and Bird averaged 25-ish minutes a game in the Olympics. So it's not like they're just riding the pine and letting Asia Wilson and Brianna Stewart do all the hard work. They're putting in significant minutes, and they're not the best players on the team, but they've won, like, five medals ago. Sure, you know what I mean? Like, it's just unbelievable to think, that they can still be winning at this clip. And they're planning to go back and play in the WNBA again. As far as I know, Sue Bird said, yep, going back to Seattle, going to play my 19th season or something ridiculous. Like Tarasi won three straight championships at UConn. Bird won two championships at UConn. They both won multiple WNBA titles. Uh, Tarasi was an MVP and two time finals MVP. Like, the accomplishments are so much that like, as you're reading it, I'm like, oh my god, my brain, it, it hurts to, to like think about. And I thought to myself the other day, like, oh, this is their last Olympics. And they've sort of hinted at it. But this is why they're great. They've sort of hinted at it. But then I thought, well, you know what? The Olympics isn't four years away. It's only three years away. So now right. you're talking, OK, 43 and 42. Is it possible? Yeah, sure, it's possible. Maybe they're only playing 15 minutes a game or 10 minutes a game, but it's certainly possible. And this is a quote from the New York Times, I saw in the New York Times article. So Sue, I think Sue Bird was pretty quick to like poo poo the idea of her going to Paris. (laughs) Diana Taurasi, I mean, I love Paris, beautiful buildings, great fashion, weather sucks, but oh well, Sue's going to be my plus one. Like (laughs) they're awesome. So not only are they great, like they're great players and they're great teammates, but they'll tell you they're best friends. And that to me is like, do do Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen still get along? You know yeah. what I mean? Like there's yeah. there's so much to be said, and I understand they went to college together, so that just makes things a little bit different. But the relationship transcends the basketball court, and then on, it just makes the on the basketball court stuff better. One scores a lot of points; the other feeds the one who scores a lot of points.
1: The, the other part about it is that given their their age and their longevity and presence in the sport. They were part of the WNBA building from the ground up. Yes, and and as a sport, women's basketball has just exploded, and they were part of that. And how many little girls watched them play way back in the day that are now in the high school ranks um, and moving their way up? And part of it was the influence of these two, and plus the other pioneers of the sport. And you know, we talked a little bit earlier uh, off camera about. You know, women's tennis hasn't done that beyond Serena Williams and whatnot. And that's where that's where women's basketball is, is still so dominant in this country, uh, especially on the uh, international level. And again, it goes back to the pioneers that have done it, that have inspired all these young, young, tremendous student athletes that are coming through the ranks.
2: Isn't it amazing that we're, we're talking and, and we're serious that these two play a women's professional team sport, and there are not that many women's professional team sports, and yet these two, in my mind, trump the others. Just going to take a peek. Hockey, I think of um, maybe Messier and Bossy. I don't think this, you know, for what they did, but I don't consider that uh, even close to this. Uh, baseball, you think of Gehrig and Ruth. I'm sorry, that's another day. Uh, I don't see the, uh, the friendship and the, the respect with each other from what we've read. And, and so if you go down the line and we, and we think, you know, we mentioned basketball with Koozie Russell, all that stuff. There's less women's professional sports. Soccer, it's hard to pick too. You got me a hand, but there's less women's professional team sports that we can compare to the men. And yet these two trump any other sport that is a men's professional team sport. And I would hang my hat with that for whatever it's worth. I really believe that.
0: And I I think, again, another thing just to kind of add to this Tarossi is the number one pick in 2004. Sue Bird was the number one pick in 2002. And they have played their entire WNBA careers for one team, one franchise. And listen, I know the WNBA is not the same. You're not chasing money, you're not chasing contracts. But that to me is freaking awesome. Like they are, Diana Taurasi is a rock star in Phoenix. Sue Bird as well as Brianna Stewart, they're rock stars in Seattle, but they've like made a home and adopted a city that's far away from you know Connecticut where they did their their high school or their college years. And Diana's from California. So she's not all that far away from home in Phoenix, but Sue's from New York. She was the Gatorade player of the year in high school. So these are two women who have like really latched onto their teams and their franchises and have done so much more. And not to mention, listen, both of them have been huge proponents of the LGBTQ movement and like and gay athletes coming out and making gay athletes feel better about coming out because when you have two of the biggest stars in the WNBA who come out and say hey let's just make this a normal thing well that's huge from a social aspect from helping the world you know progress as a people they're doing so much more beyond the sport of basketball.
1: Yeah. Eric did you mean Gretzky and Messier? You said Gretzky uh, and
2: Messier, yeah, but when I'm thinking of the Islanders, I was saying Bossy and uh, Trottier, yeah. The, okay. What you yeah. just talked about too, Ashley, is that how about the power couple here, Sean, Suberg and Megan Rapinoe. Is there ever been a power couple like that? Can you imagine? I mean, two of the greatest women's uh, sports stars in our lifetime, and they're together, and it's fantastic.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Well, hey, thanks again for joining us here on m m and m across the board. Find us on Twitter at MMMATB1, and we can be found on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. It's been a busy week in the NBA with free agency and trades. Ashley, what's on your mind?
0: Yeah, so, guys, I, I think when I first started, When things first started happening, we talked about the big three last week because it had just happened, so we kind of hashed that out a little bit. Everyone tries to go for the big three. And I think once the Lakers created their big three, once they added Russell Westbrook to then compete with the Brooklyn Nets big three of KD, Kyrie, and James Harden, then things started to happen. And it's so funny how NBA free agency, like a lot of other sports, is like a domino effect and it, it becomes an arms race. And specifically it became an arms race for what started as two teams. But I think there were enough teams that did enough to make things interesting. Ultimately, and I'll probably say this a thousand times, it's gonna come back to health. The health of NBA teams, we saw it. Brooklyn wasn't healthy and LA wasn't healthy. And guess what? They didn't get there. And that is why Milwaukee won an NBA championship. If those two teams are healthy, there is no team that will stop either in either of their conferences. I don't care about Giannis. Listen, the Bucs didn't do enough. I can get into that in a second. But I don't care about Giannis and the Bucs. There's no team that is going to stop Brooklyn and no team, if healthy, that is going to stop L.A. unless Russell Westbrook stops L.A. But the other thing that I had on my mind, too, is the Knicks. And I think it's so funny. Like I was reacting to the Knicks Signings immediately thinking like, okay, okay, okay. And I thought, I get it. Evan Fournier is a good shooter. He, he gives you what you need in terms of a shooter. You got Julius Randle, but but are you better? Like, are you better? It, that contract for Derrick Rose just seems so mixed to me. It happened, and I looked at it, and I thought, oh, my God, they still haven't learned. This is the same team. They're gonna run the same team back with Evan Fournier and they're no better. The one time it changed was when they signed Kemba. Like finally, it doesn't take them to the next echelon, but you can't get there without a, you can't get there without a big three. So they won't get there. They'll be back in the playoffs. And they, I think my point is just Kemba has finally put them to the point where I said, all right, now they're better. The Knicks finally did something that made them better instead of just like, meh, they're the same.
3: Hey, it's Goss here from Getting There with Goss, Goss on the go, Levac and Goss, you're listening to the Media Podcast, and for those things to happen, for us to continue to have great content, we hope that you continue to support our sponsors like our friends over at Johnstone Supply in Troy. If you're looking to make that change, air conditioning, ventilation in your home, whatever it might be, heating, Johnstone Supply is the place for you right on 6th Avenue in Troy. Going on right now, Fujitsu Duckless splits, energy saving, ultra low temperature models, that you could have in your home also johnson supply is now carrying the j series vrf systems for even more efficiency and flexibility and if you're looking for that basic cost efficient option they now have the Westinghouse made by fujitsu as well so they've got all the things you need great people say hello to my guy tom in there james and kevin or rob whoever it might be you've already got the intro to the people you want tom james kevin rob those are the guys working the front desk Maybe you'll be able to see our guy, the boss, George. If you want to learn more about George and Johnstone Supply and Troy, check out their feature here on Godzilla Media, where we talk about Johnstone Supply and Troy. You can check out the inside and more. you're looking to make the change, check them out. Johnstonesupply.com or call them today. 518-272-5992. 518-272-5922. Johnstone Supply in Troy. Also, got to give love to our friends over at Tech East Fire and Water Restoration. Your best way back to normal. TeFireWater.com. Get their number down right now. Write down their information because maybe in the future, mold damage, fire, water, something may be happening to your home that you're not prepared for. Prepare now with Tech East Fire and Water Restoration. These guys, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, or the work they do, Mike Corda and his staff will continue to help here in the capital region. To make sure you don't have to deal with these issues, to make sure that if you have something to happen to something that you absolutely love, you can get back to normal with Techies Fire and Water Restoration. And thanks to Techies Fire and Water Restoration, Levac and Gals will be broadcasting live again Monday, August 16th, live from the new Mohawk Chevrolet dealership in Malta from 4 to 6 o'clock. Check out the broadcast on Techies Fire and Water Restoration's Facebook page. Again, facebook.com te firewater techies fire and water restoration also by the way let's give love to the albany empire the albany empire playing for the championship come out and support the team saturday august 14th and if that's not enough also a quick shout out to our friends over at smoky bones our home for monday night football here Godzilla media's smoky bones you're looking forward to football the place to watch the game is smoky bones now back to this the media podcast
2: John, there's a, I, I want to do, because as you as you confirm, we are old. So I, I look back at when you have a, a powerhouse team and then have a major injury. I Remember the San Antonio Spurs were phenomenal, and then all of a sudden David Robinson got hurt, and then they have a bad year, and then they get to pick Tim Duncan. Now, look what happened after that. So uh, I remember Rick Pitino with the Celtics when we were in the NBA, and he's they were playing down the stretch to hopefully get the Tim Duncan pick. It was considered... He was the pick. They didn't even call it a number one. So that comes into play. The other thing, I'm really happy that Chris uh, Paul stayed where he did, what he's done there, and it's nice to see Phoenix uh, cough up. He was 30, 30 or 40 a year for about a four-year deal. So occasionally, uh, it's nice to see a free agent actually stay and not have to head to the big markets. Sean?
1: Yeah, I thought Kemba Walker's been the best move. Kyle Lowry in Miami's good. Again, Chris Paul, Phoenix, good for them. The westbrook it's a win for him he gets out of washington sorry um gets to go to la and play it'll be interesting to watch them how they're going to budget their caseload next year you're going to see a lot of games off um because there's a, there's a lot of mileage on those legs my problem with Russell westbrook is this it looks awesome on tape right it's like uh when i take my boys to the store and they buy these big egg-shaped treasure things that they don't tell you what's in it. It looks great, <laughs> right? It's heavy, it falls to a break a toe. And then you get home and daddy opens it up and I'm just like, what? There's nothing in here. That's Russell, Russell Westbrook, okay? Yeah. OKC, okay, he ran with Durant. James Harden wasn't quite James Harden yet, but he was emerging. Didn't do anything. He goes to Houston, plays with Harden there, didn't do anything. Um, you know, had a nice little tandem with Bradley Beal this past year in Washington. But at the end of the day, results are all that matters. They're not there. He he looks the part. I'm not saying it's all him, but hey, he's over three in his stops. And he hasn't gone over that, that um, clear that hurdle yet. We'll see how he fits. And again, we talked about it last week. There's only one basketball on the court and how they're going to do with it uh, be seen in L.A.
0: Yeah, and I, I looked at the rest of the signings for – so let's go Lakers-Nets, and we'll kind of see who you guys think is better here. Obviously, with the big three and the Lakers, you add Carmelo, which I don't hate because I think he was very good this year. He shot his best three-point field goal percentage in his career in Portland. Excuse me. They need shooting because they need to space the floor. Not that anyone's going to look away from LeBron or AD but they need somebody who can shoot the ball and he can come off the bench and do that. They add Dwight Howard, which what he's been there before it. It's whatever Malik Monk, I think is an underrated signing for them. Kendrick Nunn. And then they lose Alex Caruso, KCP and Kyle Kuzma. Other side nets. You got your big three. I think one of the biggest signings in free agency so far is Patty Mills to Brooklyn. Because he is so good, and he's so underrated. He can shoot the ball. He can be a backup to Kyrie. So who do you – like of those two teams, as is right now, if nobody does anything else, which I'm not sure they have much room to do anything else, who are you taking, Lakers or Nets? I'll take
1: the Nets. I think Durant is going to come off this Olympic year, the playoff disappointment. Yeah, Kyrie got hurt. They probably would have won it. I think you're going to see a focused Durant. He's got a full year in him now coming off that Achilles injury. Um, yeah, I think they're the team. I, I think the Lakers are old, and, that, and that's going to come to play unless those guys play 60 games. Now, the, the beauty the Lakers have is they don't care about playoff seed. Right. Just right? get it. doesn't matter. You don't have to have home court. They can win anywhere. I, I like New Jersey or New Jersey, New York, whatever, Brooklyn, whatever, the Nets. I like Same them. thing. Same thing.
2: Any team with LeBron, I'm sorry. I think the West uh, is not what it used to be. I know Phoenix has done well. I know uh, the Warriors had the great run and they're coming back. But I, I think Anthony will be a great addition for them. And I really believe LeBron still has a lot left in the tank. But uh, I agree on Durant. I think he has taken it to another level. He still had the chip on the shoulder when he went, uh, when he left the Warriors and went to the Nets. And uh, the Nets did underachieve. But again, uh, as you know, I'm not a fan of the – third boy that they brought in there, the guy that throws a mess and everything. We're not going to mention the former Celtic Cavalier, but Durant right now is at that level. Uh, But I still like the Lakers. I just think as long as LeBron continues to play, he is still at this age, 70% better than virtually anybody else in the league.
0: Yeah. I think I would go heart. I, I love LeBron. And I know there are people who, you know, don't like the moves he's made in the pet, whatever. I think he's one of the greatest players of all time. And I don't think there are many people who would dispute that. He's just kind of a freak of nature. And I love that about him. He can do pretty much anything. Um, But my head says to take the Nets because of Kevin Durant. And he's just a little bit younger. And, you know, I think they have younger pieces. And that's the thing. Like you said it, the Lakers are old. The Nets are not young, but they're much younger than the Lakers are. So I, I think I would take I would take the Nets. I had two moves that I really loved, and you mentioned one of them, Sean, was Lowry to the Heat. I think the Heat have gotten so much better. I mean, Lowry to the Heat, yes, but then you extend Jimmy Butler. you re sign Duncan Robinson, who I think is one of the best things going in the NBA. You've already got Bam Adebayo. They add P.J. Tucker, which, by the way, we we just saw what he did with the Bucs. He was a huge part of that (laughs) title run. You subtract PJ Tucker from the Bucks, you insert him to the Heat, and oh by the way, you have Victor Oladipo, who again, like, I love the guy. I love everything about him and what he does on the court. I think the Heat are a legit contender because one through five, I think they're better in the East. I, one through five, I think they're maybe the best team. And I'm not saying their one through three are better than Brooklyn's one through three, but one through five, they are a team, and I will. I can't wait to
1: see them play. Yeah, two things. Also, look at Chicago. DeMar DeRozan, you know? a lot of yeah. um, that's that's a good start for them. They're the people I kind of feel bad for right now, uh, poor Luca down in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Luca just got paid, but uh, not a lot coming along with it. And poor Dennis Schroeder in L.A. Turned down an $84 million guaranteed contract <laughs> with the Lakers during the season. And he isn't getting that anytime soon from anybody. He had a bad, bad playoff run, and uh, that ship has sailed on him. So we'll see what ends up with uh, with him.
0: Yeah, at first I thought the Bulls signings, again, it was almost like the Knicks to me. At first I was like, yeah, you know what? To me, Alex Caruso, that's a terrible contract, and, and that will probably blow up in their face. But you've already got Zach Levine. Vucevic is a good player. I think Markkinen has the potential to be really good. Lonzo Ball, I, I mean, I like LaMelo a lot better, and I think probably most people do, but Lonzo Ball's not a bad player. But the addition of DeRozan to me kind of helps tip them over the top a little bit. I'm not saying they're going to be, uh, for me, maybe they're the fourth or fifth best team, fifth best team in the East, sixth best team in the East, but still, they're a heck of a lot better than they would have been, than they were last year. So I love the DeRozan signing as well.
2: Ashley, I agree with you in Miami. They had great run. You know, making the finals. And I think Kyle Lowry, he's going to step in at point guard and to keep that old theme going. I think he's like mid 30s. He gets a three year deal. It's okay to be 35 and get a nice contract. But I think the Heat will uh, definitely step it back up. And I think that's a good move for them.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think, go ahead, Sean. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Ash. There, we talked about the Bucks a little bit, but they, for me, they haven't done anything to get better they haven't done anything to keep up with the Joneses per se. Like you lost PJ Tucker, which was a key piece to you, but don't tell me that adding George Hill, Rodney Hood and Grayson Allen <laughs> makes you better. That doesn't make you better. I don't think that's a good team. And I you know, I think Giannis and Middleton are a good one too, but they're not a good enough one too. So I don't think they've gotten better. The Suns, fine you bring Paul back and you bring in JaVelle McGee and Landry Shamit who Landry Shamit can shoot, but are you better? Are you going to beat the Lakers if they're healthy? Probably not. Um, and I, I really want the jazz to be good. It was good that they brought Mike Conley back. Donovan Mitchell is a star. I just, I'm waiting for them to just, ugh, just get over the hump instead of be disappointed in the playoffs. I hope that happens this year. I hope they win a playoff series. I hope they, you know, cause they were so much fun to watch in the bubble. Uh, but that's a team that I kind of hope goes. And then the Warriors, if the Warriors are good, I can see them being like, I would put them right behind the Suns. If if they're healthy, I mean, if, if you get a healthy Klay Thompson back, They've drafted really well, really well. And I think that's super underrated, especially in the NBA. Everyone wants to grab free agents and sign big contracts. But they've drafted really well. And they've got – you talk about it. They're big three, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond. That's a good big three because they're not even big. Like, they're small. Or, you know what I mean? Draymond's your defensive guy. But they've got big guys. James, they've got – and they drafted big guys this, this year too – They've got some pieces, and if they're healthy, I wouldn't be surprised if we went from talking about them to being, like, terrible last year to them being like, hey, the Warriors are back. That wouldn't shock me.
1: Did, did you just disgrace an Allen? Nobody, and I mean nobody in the history of the game, has tripped <laughs> opponents in open court as well and effectively as he does. Mm-hmm. That's his game. That's his jam. Forget the basketball skills. What's Zion Williamson thinking in New Orleans? A, he didn't want to go there. You could tell that when they, during the lottery a few years ago. So they've just they've just divested divested themselves of talent. Um, I mean, he's got to be looking at when can he get out of there? That is, what's his exit strategy?
2: And Ashley, don't forget they brought some of the old gang back. They got Andre Iguodala back, who was a very key player for their Warriors run, and he's back. And and what a great addition! Again, if healthy, uh, Golden State fell off the map because of injuries, but uh, we'll yeah, I, I, Otto, Otto Porter
0: Jr. who. Like was in my nightmares as a, a fan of Syracuse. That guy used to torture us. Um, but Otto Porter Jr. is a good player. They've listen. I they've done all the right things. I think without making this like huge splash.
1: All right. All right. Hey M M M across the board on Twitter at M M M A T B one. Apple, Spotify, YouTube. We have come to my favorite part of the...
0: Yeah.
1: Our board segments. Who, uh, who, who's, who's got a vent this week? Anybody need to vent on something?
2: Who's batting leadoff?
1: Why don't you go leadoff? What's up with that hat?
2: This week, Field of Dreams. God, I love James Earl Jones' voice. <laughs> Perfect hat for the Field of Dreams. This Thursday, Major League Baseball, which has played regular season games in London, Puerto Rico, Mexico, even Williamsport, heads to Dyersville, Iowa. It's the Field of Dreams game, and it's fittingly that the White Sox are playing Cleveland. Uh, oh, the Yankees, okay, I get it. All right, but Joe Jackson was a star of the infamous 1919 White Sox, the team that fixed the World Series, the Black Sox, as they are still known, But remember, Jackson had a tremendous series at the plate and to this day is banned despite thoughts that he was not a part of the fix. So it'll be a lot of fun to see the Jackson White Sox uniform being worn by Tim Anderson. And also, it was worn by Ray Liotta. I don't know if he'll be out there again or not, but he's a great actor and he played a great role there. Now, it would have been nice to see Cleveland in this game because Jackson had a phenomenal career with the now Gladiators. But I do hope that the first pitch will be James Earl Jones and Kevin Costner. Obviously, it's great to see Major League Baseball look at its rich history and turn this iconic movie site into a dream come true, a real Major League game. So, build it right, and they will come. Well, they built it and 8,000 lucky lottery-winning fans will come.
1: I love baseball. Baseball is one of my favorite sports. I've never seen that movie.
0: Oh no! I, you know what? I can't. I can't knock you like that. I just saw it like three years ago, maybe.
1: I had somebody give me the DVD years ago, and I I found it. I'm like, who gave? I don't even. Hey, if you're watching this and you loaned it to me, I never gave it back. I still have it. I'd give it back. I don't know who gave it to me. I just never seen it.
2: It, it, it's absolutely phenomenal. And as a fan of baseball history, it, it, it's from the book, uh, and Sella, which was about the book about Joe Jackson, actually. But it's a great story. It, it's a comedy. It's a drama. It's also if you want to watch it with your father, if your father is alive, you want to sit down with your father, each have a ball glove in hand, and then afterwards take a walk. And even if you're driving from Albany, New York to San Francisco, somehow, some way. Take the road up to Dyersville, Iowa. Uh, people that I, uh, friends that I've had that have stopped there, you just walk on the field with a ball glove and start playing catch with strangers. Uh, it's really uh, not just a great sports movie, but one of the most uh, incredible movies I think I've seen in my life.
0: It's a good one, for sure. Sean, you should get on there.
2: I, I will. I
1: will. I'll report back.
0: I've got a lot of movies like that, so I'm not one to criticize. I haven't. There's a lot I haven't seen that I should have. But yeah, I saw that. Someone,
1: it's got to be good. James Earl Jones is the voice of God. You got Tim Tin Cup McAvoy and Crash Davis. How could you miss?
0: Yeah, it's a good one. You want me to go next?
1: Go for it.
0: Oh my God, what has happened to the New York Mets? I'm not even a Mets fan and it is bad. It's bad. I'm gonna give some props to Eric McDowell who named the Braves as his number one move for before the trade deadline. You said they they got better. You thought they did the most to get better. And that's, it's kind of shaken out a little bit. They've won five of their last six. The Phillies, who now lead the division because they jumped the New York Mets entirely, because the Mets are in a freaking free fall, they can't win a game. They've lost nine of their last 11 games. They can't do anything right. Meanwhile, the Phillies have only won eight straight. Like, everything is going wrong for the New York Mets, and they better figure it out quick. But the problem is Francisco Lindor is still out. Javi Baez is now hurt, and he's out. So how are you going to win games when your biggest stars are on the bench? Jacob DeGrom is still out. Noah Syndergaard still has not played. These guys, they they have a good enough team to win. It's not about that. But their four biggest stars, arguably, are not playing for them right now. Meanwhile, other teams are whoop, 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 whoop. They're climbing up the ladder, and pretty soon it's going to be too late because now we're in August, and you get three weeks from now, and you're five games back or six games. Well, and then You're toast. So they better figure it out quick because the Yanks are going one way, the Mets are going the other way, and everybody else in the Mets division is going the other way too, up.
1: Yeah, someone's got to send down a fleet of parachutes down to, down to, uh, to, to New York for that, for that group for sure.
2: Well, remember, they were hurt for a long time. I like think we said on, on this just a few weeks ago, the Mets were a great story. But the National League East actually reminds me of a cross-country race you know, everybody's just running together, looking at each other. Yeah, whatever. And then all of a sudden there's a, you know, now it's August, there's the finish line and somebody's going to take charge and the Phillies blew them out at home. And then the Mets have the DeGrom, you know, one minute to hang. There's always something about DeGrom. So the clubhouse, uh, it's, it's, it's sad. The same thing's happening in Boston. They've both been two very good squads that are not having the best time to have a slump, but Uh, that NL East is going to be a lot of fun to watch because you better win it because you're not going to get a wild card, right?
0: And how bad does it feel to see, if you're a Mets fan, to see Zach Wheeler come out and put together that performance? Like, he was on your team, and now he's (laughs) throwing gems for the team that just jumped you for the NL East lead. Oh, that's got to suck. That's pretty bad.
2: Sean Matt Harvey's pitching great in Baltimore. On top right. of it,
1: now I'll tell you what Zach Wheeler's been a great story. He was a very good for Philly last year. He's going to be in the Cy Young discussion this year if he keeps it up, and they can go win, uh, win that division. And yeah, that's that's another one that got away from New York for sure. Now,
0: what do
1: you got, Johnny? Okay, sad news, world of college football. Rest in uh-huh. peace. Coach Bobby. Bobby Bowden passed away. Very sad. Um, yeah, great coach. And what what I enjoyed most about Bobby Bowden? Look, the numbers don't lie. Three hundred seventy-seven wins. Give him back the twelve that they vacated, right? If you can restore Joe Paterno's wins for the reason he lost, is give coach back his twelve wins. Okay, uh, twenty-one and ten in bowl games. What does that tell you? That tells you his team was prepared. You give him some time to prepare for an opponent he would do very well. And the tough tricky part about bowl games is some, some teams are checked out. Some players are checked out, but not Bowden's teams, 21 wins, two national titles, 12 ACC titles. One of his greatest moments was one of my worst moments in college football in in my history. When he won his first national title at the end of the 93 season, he was coming off of two wide right games against Miami the previous years. He could have won titles there. Uh, What did he do? He went out and recruited the best kicker in high school uh, Scott Bentley that year. Bentley nails the winning field goal against my Huskers in the 93 title game. We should have it up there. And then when after Byron Bennett uh, hooked his 45-yard field goal attempt on the last play of the game, mm-hmm. it would have given Nebraska the weight? He missed it. After I got up off the floor 10 minutes later and my guests had quietly excused themselves out of the uh, place I was living, you realize, hey, look, a, a really good guy just won his first national title. It's hard to be that upset. Tom Osborne got his first one the next year. So for Bobby Bowden, what I think of him though, he was a great football coach, longevity, uh, started his, uh, his college coaching career as a head coach in 1959 and ended it in 2009. But what I think of Bobby Bowden, I think of Florida State. Mm-hmm. Faciola, but Bobby Bowden was a character. He was more than just a coach, he was a character. It was tough to root against him unless you really were a rival of his team the sod game they would go on the road big games they would call if they would win the game they would cut out a piece of the sod from whatever venue they were at and go plant it outside Doe Campbell Stadium 33 straight winning seasons that just doesn't happen anymore um so yeah it's a big loss and again despite all the accomplishments the bigger loss I think is the the person he was a great interview not the really you know gruff Nick Saban type Mm -hmm. Uh, but Bobby Bowden was, he was a a personality and I think that's what's gonna be missed more than anything else.
0: Yeah, I think what I remember growing up, so like to me, Florida State, when I was growing up, that was college football. They had some of the best teams out there in the 90s. I remember Heisman Trophy winners. He would churn them out. And I remember, like you said, his interviews. I just remember being like, oh man, I would love for him to be like my grandpa. You know what I mean? Like he just had that feeling of he's a good guy, he's a genuine guy. He, Like you said, he's not the gruff Nick Saban type. He's endearing. And I think what everyone says about him, and even Nick Saban would say this about him, is like, you just loved, you loved the person he was. You felt good for him when he won because he was a genuinely good person. And there aren't, not every coach is a genuinely good person. And one thing I, I remember, so Warwick Dunn to me, is like his prize, you know, his crown jewel. Because Warwick Dunn has said like, my relationship with Coach, it's one of the greatest relationships in my whole life. Like I was honored and he did all of this good for me. Yes, of course, as a football player, but as a person, he learned so much from him. And Warwick Dunn, that has translated throughout all of Warwick Dunn's life. Warwick Dunn has won every humanitarian award that's ever existed because of the good work that he does, building houses for less fortunate people, and he learned a lot of that, he would tell you, from Bobby Bowden, whose faith obviously leads the way for him. But, yeah, I think what I remember about him is just, like, a good guy, a good person who, again, you you felt good when he won. You didn't – I know there were a lot of people who hated those teams, but for me, as a nonpartisan, I love to see them win because I love Bobby Bowden.
2: Late 80s, another story for you. Um, <laughs> We've really been blessed uh, PR in this profession. But uh, late 80s at University of New Hampshire, we got in the football 1AA playoffs and played Samford University. And the head coach was Terry Bowden. Okay. And I briefed the media to remind the TV, the, the radio, the, the writers to say, please do not talk about his dad. No questions about his dad. Talk about Samford and his coaching. He'd only been coaching a few years. And the first question, could I ask you? About, and I said, no, no. So he went over to Terry and said, sorry about this. We're going to focus on your kids. They focus on the kids. And then he looked and he said, all right, it's time to talk about dad. And he gave us at least another 30 minutes because it was a new audience of talking, you know, stories when we don't have the time to share, but just the admiration he had for him as a father and as a coach. And imagine going into a profession when your father's Bobby Bowden and you go into the same profession. And Terry did pretty well for a while, but. I'll remember the the time and the passion he talked about. And uh, truly an icon. You can only imagine what it's like down there when he passed away. And it's always great in sports, as you both know, when paths cross and you're able to come across somebody, uh, the son of such an icon and to really hear first time and, and right from the son about what a wonderful person, human being, the other things he did and how much he cared about players. And Terry said, I want to make sure that I care about my players as people, not just as as uh, athletes. That's a great legacy, no question. Yeah.
1: Uh, the other thing with Coach Bowden is he he built that program, and and he didn't do it by playing in his backyard against easy competition <laughs> in his non-conference. He went to Michigan, he went to Nebraska when they when they were uh, both heavyweights in in the game, and they was they almost had a "we'll play anybody, anytime, anywhere" mentality. And, yeah, they took some lumps a little bit, but they dished out a lot more than they took. And then they got to the point, once they got to that higher level, a perennial top five team every single year. And then the recruiting almost handles itself at that point. But that's not easily done. And he did it, again, almost with a swashbuckling kind of style. And, you know, it, trick plays, the fumble ruski against Clemson uh, way back when. It's just a legendary play. You never knew what was coming with him. Great coach. He said, and by all accounts, the people knew him. an even a better human being.
0: Absolutely. Well, on that. If they made that.
2: a movie about him, real quick, who plays yeah. him? If they made a movie about him 50 years ago, it would have been Jackie. Oh, Cleveland. 50
0: years ago. All right, let's see. But
2: now, <laughs> if there was a movie played, uh, who would play Bobby Bowden? It would be a fun mm-hmm.
0: part. <laughs> Good question. Because I don't know about him. 50 years ago Is tough. I was thinking a guy like, you could probably get somebody like Kurt Russell, if you have made him look a little more like him 50 years, I don't really remember what he looked like 50 years ago, but yeah, that would be a good one.
2: Yeah. I don't Interesting. Know. Or the, or the actor that does uh, now from the Connors, you know who I mean, that used to be in Roseanne. He would be a good fit too. Oh, John Goodman. Yeah. John Goodman.
0: Yeah. He yeah. Maybe great
2: in revenge of the nerd.
0: Yeah. Like a jolly, <laughs> a jolly guy. Yeah. That could be good.
2: Yeah. Thanks for the topics, you guys. Great discussions. Yeah, awesome. Good thing.
0: Good. All right. On that note, we're out of here. But if you are looking for us, we are on Twitter, MMMATB1. We can also be found on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. That'll do it for Across the Board. Sean Martin, Eric McDowell, and Ashley Miller. We'll see you next week.
1: You got it. Have a great week, everybody. Take care. You too.